everybody, and welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Tanner Grace, as always, joined by Ross Merriam. And wait a minute, Ross, there's a third person in the room. Yeah, I don't know who invaded, but I'm scared. Yeah, I'm not scared because it's our lovely editor. Brent is actually here this week, and he's going to join us on the show. And we'll get into why in just a little bit. But let's go ahead and just start the show like we normally do because I don't want to. I want to bury the lead. I don't want them to know okay. just yet. Because it was—it's a really cool thing that happened so this weekend. So we're going to spend forty-five minutes talking about Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout last night, right? Yeah, that was awesome. By the way, it like was. that was just utterly cool. So it's exactly was, how every single person in the world wanted, wanted that it. tournament to end. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's a cool thing. Um, I don't have the exact numbers on it. But here's a cool stat about that. If you watch the at bat, Shohei gave Trout literally all of his best pitches and struck him out or whatever. But the like slider the most ridiculous ended too after yeah, was two hundred two mile an hour fast fastballs. Yeah. So in his career, Trout has been to the has been to the plate like five thousand times or four thousand, you know, whatever the whatever the number is, right? And he's had three swing and misses in one at bat like twenty times in his career, and that was one of them last night. And Joey did it very easily. That <laughs> shits him. And it had it was more when he was younger than when he was older, you know, because like he's a much better batter now than he was, you know, just pure talent wise as a kid. But yeah. the WBC just uh, I don't think you say anything other than a massive success. It sucks that the U.S. didn't win. I had Japan winning it before it started. It was just really fun to watch. Britt, I know you love sports ball. If you have anything you want to add to this. Uh, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a hockey guy in Texas, yeah. uh, and I, I'm not really a big fan of baseball. It's, it's or, funny because you know, Ross and hockey is like, not even no... the best sport on ice. Yeah. Uh, what is Russ. it, curling? If you say curling, I'm kicking yes, you off. It's obviously show. curling. Ross, I'm going to get you to a game, and uh, I'll yeah. be a sell you on it. <laughs> you I've heard that's the best way to make we, hockey. We do have a minor league hockey team here in Roanoke. All hockey is great hockey, so... I've heard it's very good. I yeah. can't remember what their name is. They have a two-word name. It's probably some kind of animal and something else. I think it might be the Yard Dogs. There you go. I was going to say something that describes the animal. Yeah, That's that's a great that's a great name. Roanoke's an old railroad town, so I think that's where it comes from. But I might be getting it confused with the minor league Hartford baseball team, which is the Yard Goats, which is also a railroad term. So... Minor league teams, especially in baseball, have the best names. Like, there's a team in, I think, like, Alabama or something, like, the Trash Pandas or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, you get some, like, really cool ones in, like, the Louisiana area. Like, you get, like, uh, you know, something that, you know, some kind of Cajun weirdo thing or, like, you know, you're, like, you know, baby shrimp and you should... It, it's weird. I, I will say that the single best team mascot I've ever seen is for the sports teams of UC Santa Cruz. They are the banana slugs. Have you speaking of bananas? Have you seen uh, what are they called? What's the what's the that team? The Savannah Bananas or whatever that sell out every game. They have like their own rules and they play all the crazy stuff. What? You haven't heard about this? You need to look this up. They're absurd. Pretty sure you're just making this up. No, 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 no. So it's a bunch of like you know former players and stuff, and I think they're called the Savannah Bananas or whatever. And they get other teams to play them. They're like the Harlem Globetrotters, but for baseball. And like, you know, they go to like, they're in Georgia, Texas, like Louisiana, you know, and some other areas. And it's extremely, uh, not expensive, it's extremely uh, entertaining. And they make a ton of money, but they have these cool rules. Like, there's, it's not as strict as normal baseball. Like, they do dancing and stuff. They're like, I'll send you some, some clips. Also, if you bat a ball and anyone catches it, it's an out. So if you if you hit a foul ball into the uh, stands and a and a, a fan catches it on the fly, it's an out. Like there's all kinds of crazy rules. Like players come up to bat with like their bat on fire, 
you know, where like they do crazy stuff. And like, sometimes like they have a video camera where like the pitcher will start dancing and the whole, the whole team dances with him. And then all of a sudden he like throws the pitch Tannen, to home. And... Have you been feeling well recently? Yeah. Are you sure this wasn't a fever dream? No, this is a real thing. And it's extremely extreme. Like it's a, like they're crushing it. Like they sell I mean, out. If this were everywhere. a thing, I would go. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm interested. I want to go really bad. It sounds like Vince McMahon made the baseball league. Right? It's like the XFL or something, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, like pitching. it's, it's XLB. It's, it's the Harlem Globetrotters, but like on a baseball field. Like, you know, they have guys that are like actually good and stuff, you know, and have played the game and stuff a bunch. So it's it's really cool. Uh, if you're in the areas where they where they play or whatever, you all should definitely, like, I'm not just saying you too, like anyone listening at home. You should definitely check them out. They're called the Savannah Bananas, if I remember right. And they're extremely entertaining. Like, I see them a lot on Instagram and stuff because I follow baseball stuff. But uh, we've started the show exactly how everyone expected us to. Yeah, talking about random the Savannah Bananas. Teams. Yeah, Savannah. Yeah. Okay. So look here. We'll Brett right knows we do this every show. Yeah, bring oh, us yeah. to the. There'll be a timestamp for actual magic talk. If you want. <laughs> right, what, what time are we at right now? Because let's go ahead and put that. There was a tweet today that I actually really, really liked, and I wanted to bring this up on the show and talk about, and uh, let me make sure I get the right person credit. This is from at Sam Rose Murphy from Samantha. She said, she says, I believe I've used Baleful Strix for devotion more than any other magic player. What bold magic claim can you make? And there were in a lot of the uh, retweets and stuff, this have been really cool. Like things that like, I might be the only magic players ever done this. You know, like uh, someone talked about, they think they were the first player to ever win a real game of, like the, the first game of modern because they won on turn two or whatever in Philly. With like the infect act, you know they went like blazing shoal kill you or whatever. First sanctioned like, game of modern. Yeah, the first sanctioned game and like at a pro tour, you know it was like at the pro tour and like whatever blah blah. And uh, I had a cool answer for this, like the first one that popped to my head, and I wanted to hear y'all's answers. And while y'all are thinking about it, I'll, I'll say mine. One of my really cool claim to fame in Magic, and I don't know if this is for a fact or whatever, but I may hold the record for biggest gaps in Elo rating when they were both over sixteen hundred at some point. Because at one point in time, I'm pretty sure I had a 500 point difference in my ELO ratings between Constructed and Limited back when those mattered. This was probably like 2007 or something like that. Like, this is how long ago this was. But at one point, I was low 1600s in Constructed and in Limited. I that was sounds like 20, about right. You know, I was 2150 in Limited, which is hilarious because I've, I've known for Constructed, but like people have, like, the first, like, whatever years, even still now, you know this, Ross, I'm. I have imposter syndrome. I don't think I'm that good at constructed. I actually think I'm a much better limited player. Myself, yeah. but I literally had a like 500 point gap, Ross, which is unreal when you're like a quote unquote winning player in in both the formats. Because back then, I still like I had no idea how to sideboard, like literally none and stuff. So, and I today I have some grasp on it. I I could buy that. I have two answers to this question. Sure. I have the the funny jokey answer sure. and the serious answer. Okay. Which, which one do you want first? Oh, okay. So real quick, my funny one. I may have paid five mana for Force of Will more than anyone in the world in like actual rated events. But anyway, go ahead. You've so seen what, me what, cast so many five mana Force of Wills. Which one do you want first? Uh, give this funny one last. The funny one last. So the real one, I'm of at competitive REL events or like their analog before that was a technical term. Sure, sure. I might have more second place finishes than anyone ever. Saying that on this show, I feel yeah. like you're calling me out. But anyway, continue. I mean, I, yeah, I I might have more seconds than than anyone ever. Okay. And then, um, but the the jokey answer is I've probably explained how to use wasteland against Price of Progress to more people than anyone of all time. It's pretty lame. Okay. Well, you know that match just keeps coming up. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. For the people at home that get that, that's really good. All right, Brett, what you got? So I haven't been playing Magic as long as you guys. Uh, Not that we have, Brick. We're really, really old. Well, right. That goes without saying. My answer. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was going to get some really good digs in this week. Oh, Just yeah. so nonchalant about it, too. So I, I did post on, on the Twitter thread, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and link in the show notes, too, um, for you guys. So if you want to follow along and see other answers from other people. But mine was the most uh, top eights in Hunter Burton side events <laughs> in the last 13 months. Nice. Okay. On Tuesdays, when it's raining above the Mason Dixon line, or whatever, right? right well, right. below the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, below, uh, right. I joke about this. This sounds like one of those stats from ESPN. You know, like they pull oh, up, they're yeah. like, oh, they're the number one player on weekdays during day games. And you're like, come on. You're like, this is so specific. Those things really irk me, not only because they're just nonsense, but also because it makes Rubes think that that's what like advanced stats are about. Yeah. And it's just not. And so, so many people that think, you know, analytics is nonsense are only thinking of that and no actual analytic minded person or someone who works in analytic departments for a pro sports team ever does anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely understand that it is also nonsense. No, absolutely. Speaking of stuff that isn't nonsense, I want to talk about why that doesn't sound like this podcast. Yeah, I know. Right. I want to talk about why we have Brent on the uh, on the actual show this week instead of behind the behind the scenes like he normally is so now he has to deal with us multiple times i feel really bad for you because like now you have to listen to this episode twice that's that's really rough yeah i think i have it as worse as anyone can ever have it for this podcast (laughs) that's like like three times as much much work as normal yeah i I know know. (laughs) and Um, you already do more work than the two of us combined (laughs) so we I had told ross already before i had the idea of having other shows like we need to have a really big segment on like shouting out brent how good his magic career has been going for about what the last like year and a half plus you've been putting up some pretty good results and having some big caches it, re- it really started at the last uh hunter burn event that right or I'm, I'm sorry i think the uh it was a star city event that it's something like that yeah i don't it's it's at the point where it, maybe blur. it's hard for me to keep keep up yeah. i'm doing so but, well i don't know the, the first one was so amulet titan am i correct yeah, it was uh, this. It was the Star City that was early last year where I made cash, which to mm-hmm. me, in my spot, that was that was winning to yeah. me. Yeah, uh, anytime you days. like get into that next level, like it goes from right. playing the tournament to making day two to cashing to making that cut to winning, really. Right, right. There's exactly. sort of those four levels. So anytime you, anytime you get into that next level up for the first time, is a big right. Deal. Yep. But I remember there was a point last year where we were like talking on the show where like the person who's putting up the most results and winning the most money on the show was Brent out of the three of us by like a, a significant amount. You know, he was crushing everything he's playing. And we had a really fun interaction Brent and I did over the last couple of weeks because originally, uh, so the Hunter Burton uh, Memorial Open just happened this last weekend. Originally, I was supposed to go. And so Brent was like, you know, excited. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get dinner one night. We're going to hang out. And I was like, yeah, I have to. No, I'm joking. No, it's like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to hang out. Um, but then I got the I got the gig for the the arena championships until the same weekend. I was like, hey, I can't pass off like a, a paying gig from Watsy. Like, you know, I got to do the show, so I can't go. And Brent's like, uh, that's fine. I was like, are you know, are you playing? And he's like, well, I'm not playing the main event. And my mind, I'm like, why are you going to this event in your hometown and not playing the main event? And he's like, I'd much rather play uh, the 5K Pioneer event the next day that has an RC invite. He's like, and I'm going to win it. He just straight up calls his shot with me. 
right? Well, and so first like, you big time Tim by saying yeah. I need to do my my cool watchy sure. event. So Brett sure. just felt the need to big time you. Yeah, that that's yeah. just fair play. Yeah, right. and yeah, uh, we just had to whip it out and measure it at this point. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. just puts it on the table, but yeah, and by a fraction of an inch. Yeah, Brett won. <laughs> yeah, three point one five inches is definitely bigger than three. But anyway, uh, so I'll tell that to the state of Indiana. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll we'll take those, Ross. We'll take them. <laughs> I hope and I so, hope someone gets that joke. Just I really, really hope someone wasn't in our me, audience. So explain it to me after the show. Um, about a hundred years ago, the state of Indiana passed a law based on the Bible that pi was exactly three, and pi is almost three point one five. It was. I promise you, it was a good joke. Okay. I'm not asking you to actually say the numbers. How many decimal points of pi do you know off the top of your head? It's got to be at least ten, uh, like twelve or something like yeah, that. I, I knew it's at least ten. God, you fucking nerd. All right, uh, anyway, three, no, four, stop. Five, oh, he's nine, counting. Two, I didn't six, want to hear the numbers. I can get to about 10, I think, and then I might start guessing. Uh, I know 15 total. It's one point. It's point one four five, right? No. Well, no. One, one four, five. Six? You sound ridiculous, Tannen. Okay, I'm going to stop <laughs> yeah, talking Unbelievable to you. <laughs> that you thought it was one four five. I don't even know why we work with you. Dude. 3.14159265358979. Yeah, I said one, four, five. So I got the first two, right? I just didn't know the third one. Yeah, everybody yeah, knows one, four. Ones. Yeah, exactly. I'm everyone. I don't yeah. like, look, fuck you guys. Right? You missed the first <laughs> difficult digit. You're probably okay. welcome in Indiana at this point. It's it's weird. That I tell people this, and they're always surprised, but my fourth grade teacher made every single person in our class memorize 3.14159265353. That She gave us about a week to do it, and once, like, the first day where she started quizzing you on it, any day you were wrong until you got it right, you couldn't go to recess. That sounds like, that doesn't, like, you, you think In that's fourth cool? Grade. That, you See, you think that's cool? I actually think that's, like, cruel and unusual. Oh, yeah, I think it's awful. I didn't. Th- yeah. I don't think it's cool at all. Okay, I, of course, did good. it easily. Yeah, but I, I was like, why? Like, fucking awful. Even to, like, kids, and this is the late 90s, before, you know, computers take over the world, and Uh obviously no one would have to memorize anything like this, even at that time it was ridiculous, because, like, who needs to know that many decimal places? 3.14 is perfectly fine for basically every application that you ever need. Except for this one, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, this is is how old I am. I don't know if if you even had this. I remember in grade school, we used to have a course— called computers and we would go to a room where there were computers and we would learn to use them <laughs> well so our computer courses were either learning to type nope. or learning nope. to use microsoft office programs no those were not out yet windows was not invented yet <laughs> like we learned how to you put like the it was like the floppy disk in and you had to do like what was it like uh dos or whatever ms dos like, yeah yeah you had to like that- put in the commands that was like before we had computer class when we just had like some computers and that, like, our free time, they taught us how to use yeah. them occasionally. And, like, we got to, like, play some games on them every now and then. It would be, like, Oregon yeah. Trail and, like... It, Oregon Trail. It, they, they looked like... When you think in your mind, they looked like Atari games. Like, they were very, very basic. Like, you had lines. You just moved lines. I, uh... I, I got sent to the... To one of the computers in our room whenever... In, when I was in third grade. Um... Maybe earlier. Uh, whenever they were learning math. Because I already knew all the math they were learning. And I just got to play on a, a computer game that was all about pattern recognition. I remember that. But it was an MS-DOS game. We had some MS-DOS, like two MS-DOS computers in the back Man. of the classroom. 
Well, we played a lot of Veggie Tales. I'm going to uh, take this derailment and put it back on the track. Yeah, that's an Ohio joke. Might be too soon. But anyway, uh, since you brought since you brought up some some of that area, yeah, we're anyway. going to unpalestine this podcast. Sure. Uh, good God, we might need some editing in this episode. But, um, the the reason Brent is here, we kind of alluded to this. You know, he, he called the shot, and well, he did it. Uh, it's going to say second place on your deck here, but you split in the finals of the five K side of it of uh, at the HBMO. Make sure I get those letters correct. Brent, great job. Hey, well, officially, I I don't know why I put split. I did actually, we did play and I did oh, lose. Um, okay, we did we split the money, but sure. Uh, but the guy, the okay. judge so said really we, need we a shouldn't be doing this at all, and the podcast is over. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'll, I'll leave. Yeah, <laughs> we go allow on, second on. place yeah. finishers to to contribute to this to this podcast. In fact, you know what? Hey, I I, I identify with you more now. Yeah, you're like it, one if, of us. If anything, it makes you yeah more yeah. apt to be on the podcast yeah. <laughs> for flavor reasons. I'm perfect, actually. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. He, well, we don't know if he really drop kicked the finals just so he can fit in and not make us feel bad. <laughs> he's, he's been editing our podcast for so long, he thinks that's the better thing to do. We've steered him wrong. <laughs> you're supposed yeah. to win, Brett. You're, you're, you want the shiny trophy at the end. <laughs> anyway, one of the main reasons that we want to talk about is not just to toot your horn about being great and winning, is the deck that you use to, to do really well in this event to make the finals is actually super fucking cool. It's actually really, really good. And it's like this new kind of thing on the the new kid on the block here in Pioneer. And it does something really powerful as well. I know Ross was giddy to talk about this deck. This deck is really, really freaking sweet. And if I had to play a Pioneer tournament this weekend, it is the deck I would want to play. And without any further ado, Brent, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Atraxa Neoform. I, I guess to to start, let, I guess I'll go over the, the kind of the game plan. It's kind of built well, into well, the name, so it's let's not... let's start with how you landed on the deck, actually. Sure. That, yeah, there's yeah that's the that's genesis more of the thing. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I have a full tournament report, and I'll put it in the show notes. And if you follow me on Twitter, you may have already uh, seen the tweets. So I knew I was playing the Pioneer of it pretty early on, and I played. Creativity did really well in a smaller RCQ, got fourth place, and but I knew I was not going to play. I knew I just did not want to play that. I, I just thought that it was just like kind of a known qu- uh, quantity. And I was like, all right, well, let me get some Lotus Field practice in. I'm a little so- little rusty, but that was kind of, I think it's good. I thought it was a good deck if you know how to play it pretty well. And there was a player in the top eight in that same tournament. And Got some reps in. I was like, okay, feel good. And then I was like, all right. Hey, and then I was like, well, hey, Tandy, what you got over there? And that oh, was Tandy the, being Todd Anderson. Todd, Todd Anderson, yeah. A uh, regular, uh, he, he's been on the pod a few times. I, and then I was like, okay, I got to check this out. Uh, threw him some money to get his deck guide and then found his uh, his buddy, Tedaboy, his variation of the list, which had uh, some small changes and I said, okay, I'm jamming this, no question. And I went to my friends and said, hey, talk me off the ledge here. And instead, one of my other friends said, you know what, I'm in with you. So we actually registered the exact same 75. That's he a kept... good friend, by the way. That's a right. good friend. Yeah. He, he, he also, it, we, we played this, he also played Creativity in that same RCQ. Right. So yeah, we, we definitely have the same taste. And he, yeah, he made cash at that same event. So we both did pretty well. And uh, yeah, I just was so happy that I did 
as well as I did. And uh, I I actually think I could have easily won. It just didn't shake out that way. But I'm not going to turn down a second place finish. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, Todd actually talked to me about this, the idea for this deck, uh, you know, you know, before he started working on it. And when he did, I was like, this sounds horrible, Todd. Yeah. This is it's one of the really worst bad. decks I've ever heard. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? But what I didn't realize is that the core of the deck, which is this, you know, fill up the graveyard, play a six mana delve creature, and then neoform it for Atraxa, takes up so few spots that you have room for a significant amount of disruption. So you get to play Fatal Push and Thoughtseize and then Stubborn Denial, which works well with both Atraxa and your delve creatures uh, in the main deck. And once you do that, my opinion of the deck completely transforms. Now we have a deck that gets to be this like over-the-top combo and play a bunch of cheap one-mana interaction. And I love when you can do those two things and combine them so seamlessly. Yeah, I got to agree with everything you said there. Real quick, just for a bit at home, I'm going to go ahead and just read through the deck. We don't always do this, but I want everybody at home to know kind of the whole deck list as we're going through this because it's really cool. So it starts with three Atraxa. So the creatures are three Atraxa, four Hooting Mandrels, four Tassiger. And the the Hooting Mandrels and Tassigers, we'll talk about the fact that they're not just there for show. They're not just there to get Atraxa. Like you have some game plans with them as well. But still, that's the main thing what you're trying to do. Hootie McHooty is always there. <clears throat> He's always there for big, ho- big hoots. And then we've got yeah. four Neoform, four Strategic Planning, a card that just fits in this deck so, so well, four Thoughtseize, four Consider, four Fatal Push, three Stubborn Denial, a card that Ross and I are absolutely in love with. And then this was one of the big ones that I found, right? The, one of the yeah. big changes. This is the card four that fa- ties the room together. Yeah. Four yes. Founding the Third Path. I'm going to read this to everybody at home because this this really does get everything together. Brent, I'm sure, you could, I'm sure you'll love to talk about this card a lot. I'm sure you're going to sing its praises quite a bit. Right? This card was really good for you, right? Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Incredibly good. Yes. So for me at home, it's a saga. It's one of the blue. It says you make, so chapter one, this one does have read head too. This one, chapter one, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with value, mana value one or two from your hand without paying its mana cost. Two, target player mills four cards. Great, you know, for your deck, mill myself. Uh, three, Excel target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, copy it. You may cast the copy. Your deck is chock full of one and twos that are disruptive or do your exact game plan. You're hitting duress, thoughts these are fatal push to keep yourself alive or to force through what you're trying to do, or yeah. you find the neoform that you need along with the Tassiger or the Hooting Mandrels. So this card literally took this deck and just glued it all together and made it better. Yeah. When you play a deck like this that has sort of these two seemingly divergent plans, and you're trying to tie them together, having a card that can play well with either plan. So here you're either, you know, filling your graveyard for Delve, uh, you're flashing back a reactive spell, you're flashing back a Neoform if that's what you need, and oftentimes you have a turn or two to decide based on how the texture of the game is going, which one you want. Uh, and you know, you can just play it on turn two early to fuel those without losing any tempo. You're able to really both like accentuate either game plan so you could overcome some variance in your draws. You know, if you draw too much of the Neoform plan, you're able to get an extra disruptive spell and vice versa. But you're also able to overcome their disruption. If your opponent goes too hard disrupting Neoforms, this is an extra Neoform. If they're playing through your disruption, you can get an extra Fatal Push, extra Thoughtseize. Um, you know, it really allows you 
to dictate the terms of how the game is played. And that is not something that, you know, I'm not saying it's not something that these decks often do, but it's it's something that every deck wants to do. So, and oftentimes when you're a deck that has two divergent plans, you're, uh, you know, a you're beholden to your draw. You draw too much of one side, too much of the other side, you have to go towards that end. This lets you have a lot more wiggle room in terms of what you do, in addition to just, like, enabling your delve cards, digging four cards for a certain spell that you need. Uh, it really is the the an ideal card for this thing and letting you execute both plans consistently and, and almost simultaneously. Now, Britt, I did have a question uh, after, you know, hearing how well you did, and I gotta admit, the more I look at this deck, the more I like it. I'm just like, yeah, but I have the same reaction that Ross does. I'm like kind of giddy to play it myself, and if I had to play Pioneer tomorrow, this is what I'd be playing. How does this stack up against the field and Pioneer of like what you expect? Are you just like, do you have great matchups across the board, or there are a few that are weak in a spot or two? Like, how did you did you feel ahead of almost the entire field? So, uh, that's that's tough. I think the the one matchup I was a little dicey on was Spirits. And I, I don't. Well, I kind of don't think spirits is very good right now. But like, the, the, let, but to the the top dogs, I think we're really, actually, really good against a lot of it. Now, do you think? Do you think that's like a a thing that's going to continue, or is it like partially? Just to add another question, is it partially the fact that it's new? Uh, I th- well, I think being a road deck that that did have some advantages where people were like, okay, they're playing a uh, weird salty mid range, and oh, attracts yeah. oh shit, oh I'm dead, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so that w- that definitely came into play for sure. So it, it might be a little bit more on the radar, maybe even more as, as we keep going. But against a lot of the top decks, I thought it was really good. Um, we kind of is a combo in the sense that you want attracts the attracts a trigger to happen. And like when I, got, I end up against creativity, that was a little dicey on because they kind of just, oops, I win. Yeah. Like you feel like you're okay, and then they just big score into creativity on two, and you're just like, ah. 30 damage, that's that's neat. But this Though, deck... Atraxa de- does absorb 14 of it. it yeah, right. And, Though but, then they're left with three five fives, and that's bad well, news bears. Right, and we kind of also just get the pre- and post-war thought seizes, which is just a great, like... It, you, you know, obviously it's a great card, but... You got thought seize and stub. We got thought seize and stub, exactly. So right. you, you kind of play this these... agro-control game plan where you're not jamming and tapping out for the Neoform, you're holding up stub or your thoughts easing into it making sure the coast is clear uh and you know protecting the queen so to speak but your queen is a traxa which is a you know pretty fucking big queen yeah she, she right. is the queen right now for sure yeah uh, but yeah i think it's we're actually okay against creativity and really a lot of the top decks i think we're we're pretty pretty strong uh opposing them yeah, I see, like, even in your, your sideboard, you made some choices against all this stuff. Like, you see four Ray of Enfeeblement in your sideboard. Just a really good answer to the model white decks. You know, definitely really good at answering stuff like Thalia or some other, you know, faster draws. You have three Mystical Disputes in, the, in here. Any deck that's going to, like, you know, I'm assuming, like, Blue-White Control or anything that's going to be, like, bringing in negate effects type stuff against you. Uh, two more Duress, which is really sweet. Uh, I wanted to ask, the Dragonlord Tarka, is that is that something that actually happened a decent bit? This is in your sideboard... That, was that iffy for you or so I I this was kind of uh, my buddy uh, Drew's uh, I more idea because that was a third duress and there was a few t- I cast it twice in the entire uh, tournament or, or put it into play I should say and it 
the one time it met, like there, the one time was against spirits who had four total spirits in play. Uh, but I'd want to choose a Traxa. I chose Atraxa as the playoff threat as opposed to try a board wipe because I just wanted to. I felt like my left hole was fine. You want to draw a bunch of cards and yeah. right, yeah, draw a bunch of cards seemed a lot less sweeter to me. Same, um, even <laughs> though in that spot I think I probably made the wrong decision, but that kind of just proved to me that uh, the ups the added upside of Dragonlord Tarka was so minimal that it might not even be justifying the sideboard slot. Yeah, you know, you find that a lot. I, I do this a lot when I'm playing. It's like, I'll put a card in my sideboard. And I'm like, this is really cool. I love it for these situations. And then when you actually get there and play them out through a tournament, you're like, this doesn't work out the way that I want it to. Rounding on the sideboard, you had two Aether Gusts, you know, great in a lot of spots. It's like, a lot of green, and then Abrupt Gate. We can go into a lot of the stuff. There was a card missing from the sideboard that I forgot to mention when we first started with this deck. This is a Gigantha deck as well. You get to have a companion, which is busted, obviously. I want to know, how many times did you cast a Traxa because of Gigantha? Did that ever happen? Uh, yeah, several times, actually. It, there was just plenty of times where yeah. it was kind of the best thing I could be doing. And uh, funny enough, my opponent, or one of my opponents, uh, had a thought season. I had both Delph, different Delph creatures and Atraxa, and Jugatha was in play. And I was like, please don't see it. And they took, yeah. they're like, oh, Tassiger, that will give you card advantage. Yeah. And they chose that. I was like, oh, boy, I'm about to... Because no one has ever <laughs> tapped or get them for mana ever. Right. It's not a thing that ever actually happens. <laughs> So it's really cool that this deck wants to do it. And as soon as you just say red floating, they know exactly the jig is up, and they're just like, right. oh no, I've, oh, it's no. the Job meme, I've made a huge mistake. Exactly, right, exactly. Um, I, I, I was able to find my way to victory in that game. <laughs> what did you lose to in the finals? You might have said it, but I might have missed it. No, I didn't say it. Uh, in the Swiss, I lost to Fires, uh, Ignatic Fires, and the in the finals. thingy, or whatever, yeah. Big, yeah. Whatever the deck uh, is, yeah. Right, and in the finals, Enchanties. Lo- Enchanties. <laughs> there we go, I like that, yeah. Cheaty Enchanties. Uh, yeah. I lost to Rakdos mid-range in the finals, <laughs> which I would actually say is a pretty good matchup. Um, yeah, I, it's just a shakeout. I would much rather be on the Neoform side of that matchup, because like, I, I feel like your disruption is equal to theirs, while you have more redundancy, and you're just way more powerful than they are to go over the top. But like, stuff happens, I mean, you could, you know, any deck can beat any deck, I mean, you know, and Neoform in the graveyard is still is a target. It's still and not it, dead. Like you could just yeah. uh, use Chapter Three on Founding and as you could a do Snapcaster Rage, basically. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Like Founding feels very similar to, the, to creativity yeah. in that respect, right? Like yeah. your boat, you you have enough disruption that you're not going to get run over, and that you sort of play this mid range mirror almost for the first three, four, five turns, and eventually you find a spot to just execute your combo. And suddenly you're so far ahead that they can't recover. Obviously, like you're not going to end the game on the spot with the combo the way creativity is doing, but your combo is also a little bit easier to execute. Like it's not vulnerable to spot removal sometimes. It is cheaper at three mana as long as you have enough to delve. So that, and you know, as long as it's good enough to win the game, you know, 90 plus percent of the time, which in that matchup I assume attracts is, um, I think the texture of the matchup is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Are are there any matchups that you are worried about with the deck, particularly? You know, obviously, look with four Raven Feeblement, that suggests that maybe you're you're targeting humans out of the sideboard, which makes sense. Thalia seems like a, a pretty tough card, and any deck that has this over the top game plan is going to be worried about decks coming underneath it. Uh, and and humans has been you know one of if not the most popular aggro deck in the format recently. 
Um, but are, are there other decks that you're particularly worried about? Maybe something like, uh, you know, Mono Blue Spirits or something like that, that has also has that ability to get under you. Um, so Mono Blue Spirits, I think that's, I kind of highlighted earlier, that's the one I'm most nervous about, specifically the Mono Blue variation. Uh, like, even though Bad Spirits is it's a little bit different, it's, it, it, it doesn't have like the uh, Mana League style uh, counter spells. So that's, it's quite a bit different to me. Band Spirits is just secret merfolk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sir. And the mono white matchup, that's one I want to science on a little bit more. Four Rays might be over respecting it just a little bit. And I like really, as we move forward, I'm look, lacking Assassin's Trophy more and more as just like a hard answer to everything. Spell. Yeah, just answering everything. Uh, obviously, it also the doubt kills hate cards as well that get your right, deck. right. Because it, going back to the, my one of my other losses so against fires, uh, just be able to remove the uh, the the leyline binding and get my attracts a trigger as yeah. a like a basically a flash threat whenever they answer it is that seemed appealing to me. Um, so yeah, Abrupt Decay doesn't get that done. Yeah, abra- yeah, exactly. And then uh, it still has utility like against. Uh, like ossification, the mono white humans, that's their removal spell. Right. Um, and be able to nab that and kind of have a, gives you a flash through it. And also against creativity, going back to that, if they do the post board, they're probably going to go to Hullbreaker Horror Plan um, because they want to just like play the draw have, game. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. The unstoppable like remands. Uh, like having a way to remove that is a, I think, a pretty big deal. Um, and then I think. They're going to be on solo resources because we're going to be trading cards. Having Assassin's Trophy just kind of answer is, I think, something we want to do. Even if they bounce it the first time, you, yeah. you'll you'll get it back. That sounds great, actually. Do you think your mana base is good enough that you can afford to trim some number of dual lands to play the Kamigawa utility lands, like a Beseju, Ottawara, that kind of thing? So it's it's tough because the, the mana base kind of implies that the mana is not very good um yeah or, you have four mana yeah, confluence in your yeah, yeah when you're right. buying form confluence is definitely a i need my colors kind of thing yeah some of the original bills did have a single ten besedu um and a basic but i i kind of wanted to build the mana as well as i could uh but i think like having a besedu is such a great land to pick up from a tracks trigger um that that's it might point. be worth it, um, but that's yeah. I decided just to go with the duels only mana base, basically. Yeah. Did you ever cast a track so it just lands? Oh, several times. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, pay, yeah. Paid a life with the confluence and said, "All right, this is gonna be worth it." And just yeah, yeah paid seven. <laughs> oh, a track yeah. so is worth a life. Yeah, yeah, four two. Yeah, yeah. So it's two. Come on, guys, it's two. Oh, right? Who would have thought? All right, I got, I got a question here too. I'm sure a lot of people are gonna want to know about this. How do you feel about this deck going forward in Pioneer? You think this one's going to be one that's here to stay? I I do, um, and I'm going to go point to my previous track record of being correct. Like, because uh, <laughs> uh, Mono Blue my own horn here, right? Yeah, I guess sneak that in. Uh, sure, because Mono Blue Spirits was like the first time I saw, like I saw that showing up in leagues. I was like, yeah, I think there's actually something there. Yeah, it's like these that that deck didn't really exist at the time. Of all right, flash flash three, I hold up hold up Spellpierce or or whatever. And then all of a sudden that deck was like trending, trending, and got to a point where it got pretty good. Uh, creativity was another one where I, I was, so, same thing I saw in like deck dumps and I said, there's this is a powerful strategy. Just like blue-red temp, like control into oops, I win. And Atraxa, uh, it, you know, it helps to have like uh, 
to speak on its behalf when I did pretty well in the event. And, you know, just put me aside, Tedaboy, just crushing leagues. I believe he got second in the challenge himself. <laughs> I and, and just in leagues, it is trending for sure. So I think, I do actually think that's going to be the real deal. Um, and maybe uh, going to shake up the top of the metagame a little bit by being around. I 100% agree with this. I think this is like the new hotness on the block. This is the new sexy deck. I legit want to go through my collection real quick and like start sleeving this up because I think I own most of this deck besides like obviously I don't have a Traxxas or whatever because like I'm not going to pay $30 for a card that I don't know if I'm using or whatever but like if I were to go play right now in any kind of tournament th this is the deck I'm choosing because this is the kind of deck that I like if I'm not going to play something that's like super you know used to what I'm playing right you know like it's not Delver right and in Legacy or like you know one of those things is the fact that the I like the way that Ross described this and you described this like you have this deck, right, that has this robust game plan. It's extremely powerful. But all of your cards that do the game plan are good by themselves, too, as well. Like, you can cast a Trax, you can cast Fitting Manager, you can cast Tassiger, and, like, Strategic Planning, Thoughtseize, you know, Fatal Push, Stubborn Denial, these are good enough cards to play a game for turns until you find what you're doing. And, and this might be the most important question, which is, how many times did you activate Tassiger? Uh, several the times. It's pretty good too, right? Uh, there was. I'm trying to think of the exact scenario, but you know, oh, it was against angels where we had a board stall. They had uh, you know, just a bunch of angels, but yeah, it's a always against so. fucking angels. Yeah, what a right. nonsense deck, right? So activate Tassiger, um, and they would give me you know the worst spell, but they they had to eventually they had to give me a breath. Here's another Neo Four really or whatever. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of wish I got to, like, the party trick of, you know, task if they could give me Tasker back, they would, or whatever. Yeah. I really wanted to, like, cast Tasker, hold priority with it on the stack, then activate Tasker, just <laughs> to, like, clear the graveyard, and then, like, all right, mill to, yeah. hopefully there's, hopefully I lit left just, like, a Fatal Push or a Rupt Decay or something that they don't want to give me back or something like that. But that party trick didn't happen, so that bingo, bingo square still going to be left unexed, I guess. Yeah. You I, sound like me every time something new would happen for the Delver deck. I always tell Ross, look, you could do this like really cool quarter case play, <laughs> and it would almost never, ever come up. And it, I remember it, like it will never come up I, yeah, I, until it does. I right. had one of them. I had one of them come up. One of them came up once, but Ross, it was one of the ones where you couldn't play. But it was like me, Brennan, and uh, Todd Anderson played. And I started making this play, and Todd's like, what are you doing? I was like, hold on, hold on, and like, let me cook. Like, I got the, this is like one of those things where I was like, I was responding myself over and over and over again. I had to do the, uh, do you remember the tweet years and years and years ago, where like, it was like, uh, passing flames like on the stack, and someone's like, how do you win from here? And you had to like, do all the stuff in response to your own, your own yeah, fetch. Yeah, to crack a fetch, counter it, then yeah. surgical, and the thing I had in to response do... to the fetch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to do this thing against uh, Storm. Like, Storm one turn, they, like, probed me. So, probe facility, they're like, probe you. And I remember I half expected them to concede. Because, like, I had, like, a threat in play. And my hand was, like, Force of Will, Force of Will, Fluster Storm, Fluster Storm, Spell Pierce, and, like, another blue card. I was like, it's literally, like, if I could stack my hand of seven cards for you to... Or, like, and, like, rep or something. It was literally perfect. And I saw them, like, go through the... Like, they look at it. They did, and they were like, "That's a good hand." And I'd sort of laughing, like, "Yeah, it's like the best possible way to get." Because I'm a flip Delver play, and they're trying to figure it all out. And I see them figure it out. They like cast Infernal Tutor for like a duress, so like they have a duress and they go like, "Go get another duress." So they're gonna be like duress me twice, and then possibly go off the next turn, or whatever. So when like the next turn, they're like, "Go!" I drew Surgical Extraction for my turn, 
And so I was like, all right, go. So like they duress me. And so with the duress on the stack, I was like, all right, activate my death right shaman. This is how long ago this was. It was like probe and I'm like, activate my death right shaman targeting your, you know, some card in your graver that matters. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, hold on, this is not resolving yet. And then we had 17 things happen on the stack after that. You know, because I'm just like, all right, forcible your duress. And they're like, okay, like that resolves. This is still on the stack. Surgical attraction your duress, get the other duress in your hand. Now it protects the, the fluster storms in my hand or whatever, or the fluster storm hand so they can't go off. So I had to like create priority for myself with yeah. a duress on the stack. And like, yeah, like the corner cases, like it, it, it's cool to have those in your back pocket because when they come up, it might be the most rewarding plays you have in like the history of magic. Those are the plays that you just hope come up on camera. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I've only gotten like, I think one of those in my career. It was like, it wasn't really that. It was just like, I refused to concede in a spot where I should have, where I normally would like possibly concede because of the team event or whatever. And I just got to keep playing. Like I got Emrakul on like turn two and I had like no cards in my hand. I was at like two and I had like no permanents. And then I beat them like 14 turns later or something. Ah, uh, yes. The old Harry Corvacy. Yeah, that. Cedric yeah. Phillips doing push-ups. I will do a no, no. He's like, I'll do a cartwheel or something. Then yeah, he a break cartwheel. His foot. Yeah, did he break his foot or something doing he it? He didn't break anything. It it was just a poor attempt at a cartwheel. Uh, I remember him getting hurt from something like that, but but he uh, might be combining two different I things mean, here. I, I certainly would not be able to do a better cartwheel, but oh yeah, <laughs> zero chance over here as well. Yeah, I am not athletic in that in that manner. Brick, can you do a cartwheel? Oh. Probably not. No. <laughs> I was like, I, I wouldn't put you on doing one, but he's like, he's like reading like, yeah, I was a gymnast for like seven years. You know, <laughs> <laughs> my, tw my twin sister was a gymnast for many years and now does Spartan races. So I bet she could do a cartwheel. Just Spartan races? Yeah. So with I her that, husband. Like, I, I think it's hilarious. So you have a twin that's yeah. like super athletic and shit. And then there's you. Like what <laughs> happened? <laughs> Clearly we, we took two sides yeah. of the genetic of the Jeep pool. You know, oh, God. We, we each claimed our territory and we were we were done with it. <laughs> sure. Uh, Britt, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the event that went on this weekend, the uh, the Hunter Burton Memorial Open. Uh, I wasn't able to make it, you know, um, but it's a it's a great event with with a great uh, with a great charity attached to it. And all the people that are working there, like I was going to actually go and work and do coverage and stuff for it. Uh, I'm completely free. It's a lot of people there are I think most of the people there. Or volunteers, if not I think, everyone. I think everyone. I don't think yeah. they paid out anyone. It was yeah. a full 100% charity yeah. event. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they've got a bunch of cash going out in the tournaments. Uh, the turnout looks insane. I saw a bunch of the uh, videos and the coverage looked amazing. Two of my friends were doing coverage all weekend. Uh, Hal Brady Sick and Mr. Brags. David Palmer were, were awesome. Just absolutely love those dudes. Uh, they did a really good job. I hope they're listening to this episode because they are. You did a great job for uh, the, the times that I, I got to tune in. But, um, it's a great event that goes on every year about this time of year. Every year, it's, it's, it's generally in March, right? If I remember right, it's almost at least for a few last few years. I think during COVID, they had it in August because yeah. I went to went to. I don't remember but the exact month, but yeah, in March. Yeah, just... I think it's been worse the last two years at least. Yeah, and uh, it's a pretty easy city to fly into. It's in Dallas, Texas. So if you ever heard about it, you thought about coming down. I remember like Jerry Thompson made a pretty big deal about it one year. Cedric Phillips showed up. There's been some other, you know, big magic celebrities and stuff going yeah. there. Spire and Spike like, goes basically every yeah. year. There you go. Yep. Spiring Spike's there almost every year. Yeah, the actual well, magic so. celebrity. Let's let's yeah, get sure. it to 2023, not, you know, 2008. Yeah, yeah like, look, <laughs> back with a bunch of... Yeah, Zoomers know him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah. Go. yeah. I, They're like, oh, that, that Spike kid, yeah. Yeah. Eventually, it's Post funny. Malone will be there. It's really funny. I was giving him shit the last time I saw him in person. I was like, I remember... Post I Malone or... No, no, Spike. 
Ah, okay. I was like, I was like, I remember I had more Twitter followers than you, and I didn't. And I like, I was like, and I didn't follow you back on Twitter yet because I didn't even know who you. Like, no offense, I was like, I just didn't know who you were, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, like it's it's him, and like you know, kind of thing. But big fan. I watch his stream almost every day. But it's a great event. Uh, it's you know, it's pretty much like what do they call? What are the Star City Games stops called now? Uh, cons. SCG con. It's practically an SCG con with like the amount of people that go, the payments that go out, it goes towards, you know, a really good cause and stuff. So I highly uh, recommend this to anybody who's like into this kind of stuff for the next few, you know, in the next few years or whatever. And I know you go generally almost every year, right, Mel? Yeah, yeah. the last three years I, I've been, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's really cool things other than magic going on there too. There's like, I saw they had, uh, you could buy grab bags this year uh, that like you didn't know was in them. And then someone told me it was in them. I was like, that's actually really cool. I definitely would have bought one of those. And there's just so much going on. It's so much fun. I really hope that I get to go next year. And uh, it would have been fun to watch you uh, get second place in person. You know, just so you know, there is a there there are meetings who meet on Wednesday nights. Just you know, for in the future, for the second place finishers. I don't I don't want to keep having to explain this. Okay, there's one now. The, it's the joke. Whenever someone gets second place a lot, I always get tagged Meet- in it on oh, Twitter. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, oh, obviously. there's meeting. We have meetings. It's Wednesday nights. Yeah. It's my fa- my favorite part about you being attached to this meme is that mm. I have more seconds than you do. Yep. But yep. it's you know once you, At- once you have a trophy, everybody forgets about the seconds. Yep. And I had a trophy before I had a second, so easy game. Yeah, Brad, do you know how that even got started? Like how it got started publicly? No, I don't. It okay, might have been so- me. I don't remember. No, no, no. It, well, it involves you. It was um. Most of these do. We're at an SCG. Yeah, we're at an SCG Open. It's like you know, you, Brendan, and I are playing, and we've. I think I've already gotten like one second at this point. I can't remember. But, uh, team get tan at a trophy was not a public thing yet. But it was the name of the chat that we had in Facebook where we talked to each other. Like someone had named it Team Get Tan at a Trophy. Yeah, that Whatever. was probably who, Brennan. It was probably Brennan. It might have been me. But anyway, because I think he made a, a comment about that. He's like. He's like, the last thing I want to do in my career is get to have a trophy. But we're all sitting there, and we're talking with Ryan Overturf about something. And uh, I think it might have been, like, you and I, Ross, or me and Brennan, and, like, you messaged us, like, where are you at? And I pulled my phone up, and I'm, like, answering into the chat. And you know when someone pulls a phone up in front of you, you just, like, look? You don't, like, mean to, but, like, it's a giant screen, right? Yeah. And so he just sees the name of the chat. And he goes, wait, is that chat called Team Get Tan at a Trophy? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, I'm using this on coverage. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I didn't know it was going to, like, be a thing that stuck. And so it was absolutely great from the oil. Anyway, back to you being awesome. Uh, how was the weekend overall at the age? This, this is where I was going with this. How was the weekend overall at the event, other than, you know, the obvious best part of just finishing second place at this event? Uh, it's hard to say. I really... I, well, I'm, like, a pretty slow Magic player for the most part. So, so you're just busy the entire time? Right. Yeah. Basically, you're the person um, so, no one wants to make dinner plans with on Saturday because they know they'll be half an hour late. Well, those are the people who actually know my personality, I would say. Um, but I, no, I, I was playing Magic's Magic quite a bit, so I didn't get like a very good like Hunter Burton Memorial Open experience. Like when I was able to ID in the last round, I was like, okay, let's check out the merch and the stands and stuff, and. Some of them were already kind of packing up, and I was like, I really don't have t- too much time here. So I did, didn't really get a great HBMO experience, but that, I mean, th- they, these tournaments were incredibly well run. Um, and th- the player base is probably better than average uh, as far as like the actual personalities. It, it's, you don't want to really be a jerk at an event like this. 
and uh it was just a awesome awesome coverage and i i love the guys who do it and i want them to keep doing it every year and and so does the entire state of the state of texas really this is really the best the magic community is (laughs) you know yeah it it is the best of us right honestly yeah exactly yeah, it's one of the times that like everyone gets together for a good reason, right? It's not just for, oh, I want to go win this money. Like there's a lot of people there; they're just there for that, right? And that's fine. Like you know, if you want to go and compete, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I like the fact that we have you know a very positive thing attached to something like this. You know, it sucks the circumstances that it came out of, but at least there's something positive that has come out of it. No, I I think uh, there has been so much like like the trickle effect of just this event happening and mm-hmm. just the awareness of like these kind of issues it has heightened where it's it's been incredibly good for the much less the magic community the entire just broad community it it does there is one thing that i i'm selfishly a little happy about not being there it does make me uh miss zandy a little bit uh yeah it is zandy being uh he's not with us anymore he used to be a big part of this he was very noticeable character in the uh one of the most known people around the state of texas if you've ever played magic in the area i've known the man for uh i knew the man for like 20 years or something like that you know i love his kid as well you know talk to him all the time as well and it's events like this and seeing things like this where i actually really miss him and stuff like that so uh yeah it would have been would have been cool to go there uh, i don't know if his son went or not i forgot to, i meant to ask him he might have been busy or whatever but and just seeing all the old friends up too, because like it, I actually lived in Dallas for a small amount of time, even though I was like super busy when I was there, barely got to meet anybody. But just seeing everybody would have been really cool too. And getting out to an event would have been super fun. But I finally get to scratch that itch for the first time this year very soon. I'm going to be in San Diego in a few weeks. I think you said you're going to be there as well, Brent and Ross. You're skipping? Correct. Yeah, I'll be playing in the LCQs. I'm not actually qualified. Um, but Are they Pioneer? I'm sorry? Are they pioneer the LCQs? Uh, they're all going to be standard, so sure. I'm I'm my a lot of my you can play tracks in standard too, so that's fine. Right? No, if I what do you think I'm trying to do? <laughs> yeah. Mama tracks that could help out. Yeah, and of course I'm looking at ways to cheat it in. Just like that's that's just me all over. So I'm looking at lists uh, tentatively that will yeah. do that easily. Claws of Gix. It, exactly yeah not claws of gix right that's the card from urza saga or whatever sorry it's, uh, something of gix the, yeah the, the 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 cruelty of gix cruelty of maybe gix. it's yeah, the, the five the mana saga. Saga. Yeah. Right. Yeah, saga you're right claws of gix is the zero mana artifact there you pay one sack of permanent it's, gain of life it's like they used to play with uh hatching plans yeah but that uh, was so bad have you been playing <laughs> any standard do you have anything that you really no, like there no i haven't and my friends are they they're they're they've been doing such really good playtesting and they they know the matchups a lot better than I do and they're just like want me to pick a lane and I'm kind of there um but uh well yo I don't have anything right now if you want to learn about standard you can watch the mana trader series that will be standard at the end of this month that's a good idea with coverage brought to you by Cory Baumeister and his handsome co-host me Oh, so so it's about you. Got it. <laughs> it might be the best segue you've ever done. So it was about you. That was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I saved the best for me. Yeah, unlike Vanessa Williams, who saves it for last. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I got to work with Corey over the weekend. It was a lot of fun. He has so much energy. Holy crap! Like you know when people like 
you know, you see them on like versus live, or you see them on uh, what, what's the commander thing called? The com- commander, commander versus. Yeah, you see them on <laughs> stuff, and it's like you know he's a big time character, has a lot of personality, and you're like, oh, you know, he probably does it up for the camera, or whatever. No, that's just Corey, like all the time, and I love it. He it's is so easy. Yeah, Corey's just at a ten all the time. You're like, man, I could be at a two, and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, he just carries the show for you. He's... Now you know how I feel about this podcast, Ross. <laughs> You know, I like being at a two. I'm I'm sort of like uh like like Eddie George. You know, first first and ten, I'll get you three yards. Third and three, I'll get you three yards. Third and four, I'll get you three yards. <laughs> sure. All right, it's a really old football reference for everybody. You were no oh, I've made or so many fan. old references. I hope people in our audience get yeah, them. Yeah, you're really really old. It's it a great again, boomer episode. Yeah, it came up again recently where someone brought up the fact that you and I work together. And I'm like, yeah, can you believe I'm that much older than him? They're like, wait, you're older than Ross? I'm like, yeah, like four and a half years. Significantly. And they're like, what? <laughs> so like, yeah, old. I was, I was in college before he was in high school or whatever. <laughs> like, like, you're so, yeah. like, but the thing is, you're actually older than I am. Like, it's be real. But you're you're actually older. Oh, uh, check the IDs. I've got my passport was, right here. Yeah, it's just a number. You're actually older. Hold on, hold on. You get your passport. Mine's, oh, damn it. Mine's not reachable. Mine's like right over. I can look, see it. It's like right over there. Let's see. But uh, anything else go. you want to say about the deck, Brit? Uh, if that you think about this. That doesn't if work, you... Ross. That's not the camera, Ross. Hold on. Zoomer, Zoomer technology here. Yeah. At first, I put it up to the camera on the laptop, and I'm like, wait, no, we're watching each other on our phone. And then I was like, where the hell is the camera on my phone? I have no idea. Yeah, I was going to see Ross, like, old man learns how to use the computer in a moment. <laughs> Anyway, Brent, sorry about that. Anything else you want to say about this deck before we kind of move on? Uh, I would just say it's... It, I do actually believe it's going to start uh, making waves, so to kind of just have a plan for it, or really, ideally, just buy it. Buy the deck. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah, just play with it. This deck's great. I yeah. think it's going to be really, really good. I think it's going to be very good and stay around for a while. And we might see some different iterations of it, too. Yeah, yeah we, already, we already are. Tandy's been working on a Soulflare version. Like, it's kind, it's quite a bit different, but... I already bought parts. I told uh, Todd that myself. Like, all right, you asshole, I got them. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I say those words to Todd a lot. <laughs> it's like, what's what's the meme? Damn it, I'm in or whatever. whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. You son, yeah. of, son a of a bitch. Right, I'm yeah. in. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of that when it comes Soul to the player okay. is spicy. All right, yeah. since since you almost never get to be on the show, you're you know you're behind the scenes of it. I thought we'd give you like the full full feeling of the show here. We haven't done over underrated in, in quite a while. I was hoping uh, Tana wasn't going to say the full Monty, so we're good. I was I was getting there. No. Was just, so <laughs> that's for after the after the recording. Yeah, so are you up to do a few of those before we get out of here, Brent? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. All right. Uh hold on. I got to scroll up. We've been a little behind. All right. Uh Cathal says Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Brent, you're going to get to go first in all of them. Uh Actually, I think it's I think it's pretty highly rated. So maybe just I think it's a good movie properly. Maybe a little overrated, but I still enjoy it. But as a Christmas movie, as a Christmas movie, uh, underrated. Okay, I'm gonna go very overrated. I don't like this revisionist nonsense that any movie that you know mentions Christmas or is set near Christmas counts as a Christmas movie. Like Christmas movie is a very specific term to me that connotes certain things that do not include a movie like Die Hard. Now, keep in mind, as I say this, I've never seen Die Hard in my life. Of course. 
Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. But I'm going to say it's just not a Christmas movie at all. And uh, it's ridiculous that people try to say it is. It's a, in all fairness, I've only seen it like one time and it was within the past two years. And I would have said like a movie like Die Hard, just based on the title, it it's not qualified, but they cram so many so much Christmas in it oh, that it counts. Yeah. Yeah. It shoves Christmas down your throat. I'm going to agree with both of you. It's slightly overrated as a Christmas movie. And the fact that it's not funny anymore that it's like, you know what I mean? It was, it was funny for like the first, you know, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. You're like, oh my God, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And then, and then it started getting into the mode where like, it's the best Christmas movie or it's my favorite Christmas movie. And I'm like, how can that be true when Jingle All the Way exists? Exactly. So. Jingle All the Way, the most underrated Christmas movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to skip the next one because we don't have enough time for that one. Uh, okay. Uh, this one, this one seems pretty apt at the time. Daniel, or Dan, yeah, says, Lord of the Rings. You can answer this in any way that you want. Right, you go first. I, I, I want to have, I actually haven't seen Lord of the Rings. And what? I, I know, I know. And I'm sorry for everyone what? who's, well, the listener's already disconnected at this point. I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, so I'll abstain. Uh, re, yeah, watch the movies. They're better than the books. I said it. Yeah. No, well, I, books are big, so. Uh, they're just they're just very dry yeah Tolkien is extremely dry yeah Ross? I'm with Tana on this oh, the, although the again keep in mind I've never read any of the books and yeah. we mentioned this on last week's they, they he describes every blade of grass along the road that they walk like I'm over exaggerating obviously here like here, here's a good one you, you've seen the movies like right Ross yes I've seen them so you know the second movie like Two hours is like the Battle of Helm's Deep. It's like this big deal. Yeah, it's the best part of the best movie of yeah. the three. Yeah. Well, the first one's the best movie, but sure. No, um, the second one is the best Fe- one. Fellowship is by far. Fellowship is an actual good movie. Anyway. Yeah. In the book, that's two pages. Well, like the yeah, whole, it the seems whole, like the movies the made a reasonable correction. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we'll How, we'll go past the that. Fellowship one. is the best one. They don't even do anything. It's the best movie by a large more. It's the only one that's a full great movie. Nothing happens. It's just Gandalf smoking for two and a half hours. Bruh, Gandalf dies in the first movie. How do you how do you say nothing happened? Spoilers. <laughs> oh sure, my bad. My bad. My bad. Anyway, well, uh, he he doesn't die. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool. Uh, next one. Uh, Alan says, "Lord of the Flies." Um, uh, I'll abstain. Lord of the like Flies nothing. is an interesting one because. The conventional interpretation of the novel is incredibly overrated, whereby it's viewed as this sort of, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, pessimistic um, uh, assessment of human nature. But in reality, Lord of the Flies can only be credibly written because they are upper-class English boys on this island. So what it is... In viewed in that light is a scathing critique of imperialism and colonialism and how those systems impact the psyches of its adherents, especially those who benefit from those systems. So the cruelty and the almost psychopathy demonstrated by those children on the island is not something that you would generally see out of a group of people that come from the global south or any population that has historically been marginalized by imperialism and colonialism. So in that sense, it is underrated. But the conventional sense, 
generalizes that experience to humanity as a whole, which is fucking bullshit and is overrated. Overrated. All right, next. Um, <laughs> Welcome back to uh, Ross Relates Everything to Colonialism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one we had, we had to go on this one is Animal Farm. This is one of the ones where they're, uh, you know, they're, they're going down the line. Animal Farm, bloody, you're, you're, you're definitely allowed to uh, abstain again if you want. Uh, yeah, abstain again. Ross, TLDR, TLDR. Oh, George can we Orwell. Can we skip it's it? one of my least favorite people okay. in the history overrated. of the fucking world. Next. Okay, overrated. Next. All right. The next one is, hold on, sorry. It's making me scroll up every time I switch. Um, Funny Farm, the Chevy Chase film. I haven't seen this. I've never I, even heard of this. I've never, yeah. no, I'm right, sorry. Next. But it has Chevy right. Chase, so probably overrated? Yeah, probably. I'll go sorry. with overrated based on that alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, he has sure. one good movie, and it's Caddyshack. Yeah, it was a Cinderella story. It came out of nowhere. The next one was che- Chevy Chase, so we'll skip that, because he's all—he's actually a terrible person. Anyway, uh, Flackle says, Chasing Amy. Right at that, ooh, this next one is uh, kind of attached to it as well. It's Chasing Amy. Oh, good uh, movie. Abstain. I, I'm so sorry. Really? God, Brent. Yes, I actually like this movie a lot. I think it might be Kevin Smith's best work, or some of his best work. I am a big though, fan of the first though, Clerks. Like, the first Clerks is awesome. I think I think Chasing Amy might be his funniest movie. Like, uh, I I do I don't want to speak for the uh, for that community. I know some of them have a problem with the overall story. Of what, like, you know, a person who, who is like a lesbian has to, you know, fall in love with a man to be like validated or whatever, or, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying whatever is in like, I don't, I don't believe that. Like, you know, I, I see where their problem with it is. But if you just take it as like what it is, the movie's good. It's funny. And uh, it's like some of his better work. If you like Kevin Smith uh, or Jay and Silent Bob type stuff. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of that one. I think that one is underrated for his stuff. Yeah, same. Okay, what was the next one here? Sorry, I gotta scroll back up through here. We had a little bit of an internet problem here for a second. Uh, Chase Rares, uh, Ragnar Forge says. Chase Rares are probably underrated, but Ooh. they're probably not very good still. <laughs> overrated. Yeah, I'm gonna go slightly overrated just because I'm I I get annoyed by it, but it's, I'm used to everything being easy, so I get it. Uh, here's a good one. KFS says chasing waterfalls. Uh I, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say properly rated. Properly rated. It, this this was a good one. If you don't know what we're talking about, Google. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah. All right. Was, uh, uh... TLC. You know, when I was uh, the the first year, I was in little league. Which so I was in sixth grade. I was ten. Uh, well, yeah, I was going into sixth grade, so I would have been ten that summer. That was the year. Yeah, because this was summer of ninety nine. That was the year that No Scrubs came out, and that was like the song of the summer, and it was all anybody sang in our dugout. It was in high school. And my first year in Little League, I was in the dugout a lot. I was not very good. Um, And so we just sang No Scrubs. I literally had never heard the song, and I just picked up the entire song from hearing my teammates sing it in the dugout. All right, here, here's a good one. You, you, you can abstain from this if you want, because this one's actually yours, Brent. It says, My Pet Deck. In well, uh, quotations. Well, my pet deck is underrated, but everyone yeah, else of course is overrated. Is overrated. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with overrated in general because when people tell me, "Hey, you want to see like my pet deck?" Most of the time, it's a dog shit deck. <laughs> like most of the time, it's just some like bad deck or whatever. But in some instances, it's underrated. So like, I'm not sure exactly what my answer is here because 
It, I, I think it just depends on the person. Maybe maybe I'm being too harsh. It's probably just overrated. It's There's a crutch a... for people, right? Like yeah. it, it, it oh, leads yeah. them to to build. It leads them to play bad decks in a in a in a in a tournament. Yeah, this whole idea of this better, is the deck but... I know the best, so I'm gonna play it is uh, definitely a crutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. just net deck. Just shamelessly do it. Who cares? Yeah, play the best deck and play with Bryn's deck. It's 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 great. Uh, let's see here. Sorry, hold on. I'm looking for the next one. That's okay. Uh, Joe says, keeping cards you aren't playing at the moment because you might use them later. I know, Ross, I know you're a giant hoarder and I'm a giant hoarder. I want to hear what Brent has to say here. Oh, I'm a giant hoarder. I never like to trade in cards. I want four of each one just in case I need to play them. Um, And I don't, if it's a pet deck uh, or or a deck I actually care about, I might want specific arts, but otherwise just Uh, I'll grab a pile of random four thought C's and just move on with my life. Yeah, Uh this is team, Team Mengu of buy high, never sell. Yeah. Buy high, never sell. <laughs> Love it. Next one. Us from Bryce. Only keeping the cards you're currently playing and selling virtually everything else. It, it That's actually underrated because it's probably a better way to do it in the long run, but none of us do it. I've, I've generally regretted most of the times I've sold yeah, magic cards. Same. The only time never I haven't sell. regretted it is when I've just sold off bulk. And because Someone's that just like reduces clutter. Yeah. But What's like, annoying is uh, forgetting that you sold it. Like I sold a pile oh, of cards and to for it. Oh yeah. Like I had it somewhere, and then you look at the CSV file, like oh, it was in that pile, and you whoops, you gave it away for like two bucks, and now you're spending eighty dollars on the playset, and you just hate yourself. Yeah. Yep. Buy high, never sell. Let's go. Buy high, yep. never sell. <laughs> uh, the next one is from Joe, Mr. English. Abandoning all worldly possessions and becoming an aesthetic monk. Uh, that sounds awful. Overrated. I love my stuff, Ross. I don't know. It sounds pretty peaceful to me. Underrated. I'm going to say underrated only because of this. At least once a year, I have that like hour where I'm having that conversation. You know when you like you, you debate with yourself on whether you should do something or not? I have that thing where I'm like, man, I really just want to like sell everything and go start over somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know, one of those little oh, towns yeah. that like has it moved past like the 1940s. Yeah. You're you like, know, what if like... I just got a nice little cozy shack in the woods yeah. of Montana and started mailing letter bombs to universities like, and airlines? You just want to say, isn't this Charles? I was to say, isn't this a serial killer? <laughs> it's where Unabomber comes from. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, this is the Unabomber. I, I, I try to remember his real name and I blanked. Ted so, Kaczynski. Sorry. Yeah. I knew it was it. I almost said a different one. Good. He was a math professor. It was kind of nice to see like Caleb Shear, who is like a, a minimalist and just like he has possessions he could put on his back. Just that'd be kind of nice where it's like, all right, I'm leaving this place. I got everything. See you later. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You're that's, you're that's very kinda... mobile. Right. Yep. All right. Here's one that Ross might not be able to answer. But hopefully you can't. Bring. The Eternals. Uh, yeah, this is I'll a nerd thing, right? Too. It's a Marvel movie. Yeah, that that's it. <laughs> Brett. Uh, Epstein. I've never seen Overrated. It, it is actually overrated. Okay, but I'll just... I'll, be, I, I'll say it's overrated, too. I will say this. There are scenes and parts of it that are absolutely great. Uh, the deaf character is amazing. Uh, also, she, she's, like, a speedster. So she's, like, you know, like, the like the, a version of, like, The Flash as, like, what everybody can wrap their head around. Uh, like, fight scenes and movements when she's doing it. It's, like, the best adaptation I've seen of it in, like, movie form and stuff. So, all right. That's the next one here. Sorry, I'm, like, losing my place. What's next? I want to see a few of these. Cathal says road trips. Uh, if they're one day trips, like ten ish, like up to ten hour, eight to ten hours, they're underrated. I think they're fun. If you need a hotel in between, that's it's awful. Or once it get, it gets above ten hours, it starts to get not so fun. 
Yeah. My my soft max is six now, and my hard max is eight to nine. Because that's the distance from Roanoke to Indianapolis, and Indianapolis is fucking sweet. <laughs> uh, I think they're slightly underrated. I think some of my best friendships and some of my best times in Magic were the road trips with me. But I'm also one of those people, I had to road trip to practically everything. You know, I didn't I didn't have anything in, like, my city or my state. But I'd probably say that now because I don't do them. And when I was doing them, I was like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. So, also, when you were doing them, you were, like, 22 yeah, I was much younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Road trips were different at 34. Yeah. And I just remember jamming out the like Fall Out Boy for like 12 hours straight in the car and stuff. Which, by the way, the new album comes out in like a day or two and it's going to be great. The you last mean one Radioactive Man Sidekick? Yes. It's actually really funny that people don't realize that they're named after a Simpsons character. Yeah. Did you know that, Brent? Oh, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. That's Fall Out awesome. Boy is the uh, sidekick of the of radioactive man in the Simpsons universe called Radioactive. Oh, yeah. Remember, man. there's yeah, the episode where they're making the Radioactive Man movie and Millhouse plays yeah. Fall Out Boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I watched a ton of Simpsons yeah. in my childhood. Yeah. I yeah. knew they were just both the same name. I didn't know they were. Yeah, they connected. were linked. Uh, That's awesome. They said they were at a they were at a they were doing a, a a show at like a bowling alley or something, and they didn't have a name yet. And they said something like, anybody got a good name? And someone just yelled out, Fallout Boy, or whatever. They're like, yeah, that's gas. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll use that. So, Why is Dave Grohl uh, doing a show at a bowling alley when he'd already been part of Nirvana? Dave Grohl? He's not in Fallout Boy. What are you talking about? Oh, different different band. I Jesus All those bands Christ. bleed together for me. Jesus, are you thinking of Queens of the Stone Age or something? No. I'm thinking of, um, of Foo what? Fighters. F, the Jesus. F stuck in my head. Sure, okay. Okay, yeah, I guess they both have an F in their name. That's a oh, good one. <laughs> you, you do not realize, like, the, there are weird crossovers in my brain because they sound yeah, the same. I get it. I'm the same. I'm the same. All right, here's a good one. I know I knew we're going to go with at least half of y'all for the next one. Yeoman 5, obviously it's going to be food-related, says eggs. Underrated the best food in the fucking universe. Uh, well, I, I'm not much of a foodie person, so I'm just going to say abstain. Just to be short about Jeez, it, Jeez, man, you got at least an answer. No, no, I, I don't. I don't you got to answer this one. Answer it. Uh, uh, well, okay. So when I had eggs as a kid, I was allergic or I had I swelled up. So because they try to kill me, I'm not gonna be a fan of them. <laughs> sure, so you probably deserved it. <laughs> well, sure, <laughs> did something to eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what, six-year-old Brent, you're just wrong. You should have died in that spot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I also think they're underrated. <laughs> they're fucking great. I love everything. They're l- uh, actually my favorite food. Yeah, breakfast food is amazing. I yeah. love eggs. Yeah. Um, D, uh, D, well, DJ, D Jeff W or whatever something says eggos. Uh, overrated. Overrated. Properly rated. They're not bad to have in a tight spot. When it comes to frozen food, eggos is, is near the top of the list. All right, quick answers. Minnesota's Ember Wolves. Uh, overrated. Underrated. I don't know. Properly rated. They're going to be really good next year. Minnesota, the state. Overrated. Under, it's uh, so it's, cold. It's too cold. It's underrated. I think it's great. Overrated. Uh, mini sodas. Uh, overrated. Uh, underrated. Okay. Why? I, okay. Uh, I okay. I hate at like I get a craving for a soda like once every two to four weeks, and I would love to just drink like six to eight ounces of one instead of 12 to 20 ounces of one. So this is funny that I have an opinion here because I haven't drank a soda by itself in 20 years. Like yeah. literally tw- since I was like 21, 20-ish. So but, it's almost 20 years. They're also really good Maybe for our bar in the basement to have stocked for mixers. Sure. 
see, that's where I was going to go is when I used to like drink more, I used to like to have a little bit of uh, uh, what is it? Sprite. I think we knew the name of the soda. I used to have a little bit of Sprite with my, uh, with my whiskey. Yeah. And I hated like cracking an entire can of Sprite and using like a 20th of it. So I would buy the little miniature ones and just use a little bit of that over the course of the night. And it was just much better. And I, I felt less wasteful. I think it's the right way. So I'm going to say you're both wrong. They are overrated. Uh, okay. And apparently this is where I actually have a hard stance in this overrated, underrated section. Sure. But, uh, we found it. We found the yeah, line. We found, yeah, we found apparently a trigger in my mind. Um, the, when I was buying sodas, they were actually more expensive per can in these. Like it was cheaper to buy a 12 ounce can. I don't know if that's still true anymore, but in the moment I was looking to buy like soda, uh, I did that, uh, but I think you just buy a two liter if you just want like a, a smaller, less than 12 fluid ounces of your beverage, but okay. that's my take. Okay. Uh, that's overrated. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, a few more quick ones and then we're done. All right. You ready? Airplane the movie. Uh, I think it's underrated. I thought it was really, really funny. Properly rated. I think most people recognize that it is very funny. I'll take it. Yeah. Properly rated because I think it is uh, oh, yeah. really highly rated. Yeah. I agree with all this. Airplane mode. Uh, I think the the feature. I don't think it matters, but yeah. Uh, so I think it's overrated to actually. If you actually do it, you're kind of a chump. So Sorry. yeah, screw yeah, you. Yeah, overrated. Do it, actually, so that's right. Paper airplanes for once. Paper airplanes. Uh, they're pretty. A good one is underrated, but they're probably just properly rated. If you try to disrupt the classroom, they're overrated. Yeah. If you're trying to like be really fucking good at making paper airplanes, like I bet there's a YouTube channel with like 10 billion subscribers all about paper airplanes. And I bet it's fascinating. Yep. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some origami type yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Airplane food. Uh, I I can't remember the last time I had an airplane. Food, yeah. So... Stupid fucking airlines have uh, cut all their services. So who the fuck knows? Well, I have to eat airplane food multiple times a year. Fat cats uh, in first class, like tannin. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, I, I have to take long flights multiple times a year now. Like I'm going to go to Europe for like coverage. Ah, oh, sick so, brags. Uh, here's here. No, well, here's the thing. <laughs> It's actually severely underrated now from, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's always awful. I have actually, like, had good airplane food the last few, like, times I've had to do He's it. He's out there so, eating great. beef wellington. It also depends on what countries yeah. you're flying in and out of. Nice cassoulet. Because, like, some countries, Coke off man. Like, some countries have better foods for it. Shut up. <laughs> All, right. All right. I think that's going to be it for uh, tonight's episode. Vichyssoise. God, he <laughs> just doesn't stop, right? You see what I'm talking about? This is what I knew it. He doesn't stop. <laughs> It just keeps going. It's my favorite part oh, of the show, Tanner. Edit this shit out. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I love you, Ross. I love you too, Brent. I'm really glad you got to be on the show tonight. It was great. Was, we should do this more often. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know, keep crushing tournaments, and we're gonna we're gonna have to maybe have you replace one of us. <laughs> Especially if you come in really, first so- and not second, like some people. <laughs> Y'all can't see this, but Ross is looking directly at me, and I feel like I'm very seen right now. <laughs> but anyway, Britt, congratulations. Great job. I think the deck is awesome. Can't wait to hear your updates on it. Um, follow Britt. What's, Britt, what's your Twitter again? Sorry, I don't have it. it. It's... Oh, no, the the ad oh, is different. Um, I'm... Yeah, the the ad is uh, Brent Br- Wagner, BL. Uh, yeah, because it is Thrashing Brontodon. Brent or, or, yeah, Brent-a-don, Thrashing right? Brontodon. Yeah. yeah. That card got outclassed pretty quickly. Unfortunately. But, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. It's <laughs> yeah. a nice yeoman card. Yeah. 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 But if anyone wants to see some of your turn report, it's, it's there. And then is it anywhere else? It's going to be in the show notes. Uh, sure. It'll also be on my Twitter. Uh, it probably won't be too hard to find. But if you're listening to the podcast, just, just pause it or 
whatever and check the show notes and it'll be linked there if you want to read about it yeah so i definitely think there's gonna be some people that's gonna want to read about it and they can follow you on twitter as well because i'm sure you're gonna have some updates for it whenever you're playing it in the future because i have a feeling like this one's gonna stick for a little while so yeah i'm, I'm gonna go three for three i think with my prediction of yeah. viable pioneer decks i think this one's real Let's go. But for everybody at home, thanks for listening this week. Brent, thanks for being here. Ross, you're okay. (laughs) But everybody, we'll see you all next week. I'm underrated. (laughs) Bye, everyone.